podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I know this used to be fun. I, I believe it used to be fun watching Chelsea. Um, but that feels like a very, very long time ago in another lifetime, another universe. Chelsea nil, Aston Villa won. This is my review, my reaction. Please hit that like button if you can, because it's very difficult to be positive about Chelsea. I, I'm trying not to go overboard. Um, and there's kind of two sides with this kind of reaction for me, you know, being inside Stamford Bridge earlier. There's the emotional side. There's the anger and frustration with incompetent officiating. There's the anger and frustration with where Chelsea currently sit, the problems beyond the pitch and how they get fixed, the the miserable feeling around the club at the moment, the sense of just confusion and and, and despair of, of just the lack of joy. So you have that side of things and, and frustration over maybe team selection, all that stuff, player performances. There's the other side to me that, specifically from a coaching point of view, when talking about Mauricio Pochettino and what he could have done better, the mistakes he's made so far. I think when Chelsea are creating high-quality opportunities and players of the supposed quality and experience of Raheem Sterling are just making very, very silly decisions in the final third I you, you you ponder how as a coach you're supposed to get around that Chelsea are a team this season that are getting into dangerous areas but Pochettino can't put the ball in the back of the net himself and it you know it leads to that question over Chelsea's approach over the summer of, of not having a bit more experience I I do rally against that because when people say experience do they just mean 28 year olds I want to know what people mean when they say experience because we can look back to last season which was a more experienced group that failed tragically so but I understand what people mean in terms of that that end product that that ability to to finish chances now and and my concern is with Chelsea this group in particular is because it is so young and we can talk about xg underlying data and metrics all you want but the intangible and just the reality of of the psychological effect these results have on those young group of players and the pressure they feel from the crowd from outside and their confidence levels starting to drop even more you know beyond that and then performance levels dip and then you're not even getting into the right areas anymore that's that's my concern generally with this is there are signs that you look at it's not like there is absolutely nothing to look at from a a Chelsea point of view and say it's completely rubbish and there's there's absolutely nothing to feel that in time it could get better but because of how already toxic things feel and we're not even in October you do wonder how long that good run of form or just those good things that we could say about performances will last before they dip and and those players heads drop because even the experienced ones two of those Thiago Silva and Raheem Sterling I thought made wrong decisions and 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 cost us in two key moments the the key moment of course being Ollie Watkins go I don't think Thiago Silva did well enough will come to him and Raheem Sterling too who you know I think has had a good start to the season but that is a moment when he needs to make the right decision 
because it comes minutes before the Malagosta red card. And it's in moments like that when you have to be pulling your hair out. You just sit there and go, I, I can't believe it's this bad. Like, I, I, I can understand it's not perfect, but just the the incompetence at times in the final third is just very, very hard to to just comprehend. I mean, it's it, it's just so baffling that Chelsea are just this bad in the final third when they get there. It's, um, it's really, really poor. So I say, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button if you are new around here. Um... Where should I start with my negatives and frustrations? Um, let's get the referee out of the way first uh, because it always comes across as quite sour grapes and and, and like it's an excuse. But I, I do generally feel that Chelsea fans in general have a reason and even Aston Villa fans, if they didn't win today, have a reason to feel frustrated with that performance. It was terrible. It, it really was. Um, Jared Gillett, I think his name is, the, the uh, official, just looked quite out of his depth in the first half. Um, there are a few times where it seemed he seemed indecisive about what decisions he was making. And that was for both sides. There were some clear fouls from Chelsea players that were not given for Aston Villa, vice versa. Chelsea, there was, there was at least one or two occasions when Chelsea players got the ball and were penalised for it. And then the comedy uh, really at the end of the first half being three minutes added on. There's a lot of time where the ball is not in play. Because I, I believe it was an Aston Villa. I know Luca Dean was being treated to. There was another Villa player being treated to. We barely had any added time at the end of the first half, and seemingly the ball gets put back into play, and barely any time has gone before he's blowing the whistle. Everyone in the crowd noticed it. It was shambolic, and it completely undermines this gimmick, the new gimmick that the PG, PGMOL have. They do this every single summer where this is the new gimmick for the season, whether it's VAR, whether it's the threshold, whether it's we're going to let play run on. All these things are smoke and mirrors. They they only last about the first few weeks of the season. And it just completely undermines this idea of added time being a big thing this year from the, from the refs is that you can't even get three minutes and it should have been added on even longer. It was just comedy. And then, of course, in the second half, with um again it's just a persistent problem not penalizing a goalkeeper um for time wasting all we heard at howard webb saying to the likes of gary neville and jamie carrigan before is that we will clamp down on that well they're not clamping down on it obviously and i can't say i'm surprised because this is the level of incompetence you kind of expect from premier league officials but um just any idea that that those things have come in to improve the game or they're being consistent with that nonsensical it's just it's it's just complete nonsense it's just rubbish and and then the Malagosta red card I mean I understand the laws of the game in terms of players being out of control but given some of the fouls I have seen even be checked by VAR and not given as red cards again consistency do we have rules or do we not have rules and I think it's not the fact that everyone talks about um how referees will perceive incidents different it's not like by inches we are talking about decisions being officiated in wildly different ways and that is what frustrates fans it's not like i'll give and take a little bit it's it's the fact that we see two incidents one of them's worse than the other one you have var as a as a technology to be used there and that's not just on the referee the official there that's on VAR as well that those officials responsible for that and it's just um I thought it was harsh on Malagosto I did because I you know I've seen fouls 
in recent years and in recent weeks in the Premier League, even today, Arsenal um, that probably should have been red cards just one, you know, and it's just it just makes a, a, a farce really of the whole situation. So let's get the official out of the way for like that, right? So from a Chelsea point of view, I still just am really really baffled by two things that Pochettino continues to do. Arguably three, but I, the, the left back one kind of ties into Thiago Silva. I don't understand this persistence of playing Levi Carwell at left back. We're not playing as a free back. We're clearly playing as a four. And it's like we are, we have an injury crisis, but we don't have an injury crisis at left back. It's like he is approaching the situation. There's two reasons why maybe there's a couple of reasons, right? Maybe you're looking at Levi with the left foot being able to progress the ball, but I I don't see that enough personally, at least after the first few games to, to justify Levi playing as a left back. Or I think more likely you're trying to maybe protect Thiago Silva, another defender next to him to cover, which I I guess is understandable when you are playing Thiago Silva. But my argument would be, why do you need that? Why are you limiting yourself by you have Ben Sherwell, one of the best left backs in this country. You have Ian Matson, one of the most exciting young fullbacks in this country. And to utilize neither of them, it just, I, I do think Poch has got to come to a point here where like he did with Spurs in his first season, where he, he, even with the injuries we have, I think Chelsea, he wants to play a progressive brand of football. And I just don't see, I don't see what pros it's it, we're getting out of Levi playing at left back. It's not like we're playing him at left centre-back, for instance, and maybe playing Mudrick or someone at wing-back, and, and maybe you're getting some, you know, um, end product out of that. I, I don't see what we're gaining out of that. It was so noticeable that, Chilwell comes off the bench and this is after the red card to Malogusto and he suddenly is getting behind that Aston Villa back line should have scored a goal at least done better with the chance he had that's not a coincidence and and it's just stuff like that that just I I it's a, it's a question mark I don't I don't see the benefit for Chelsea because Levi I think is a is a player that yeah sure we know the way he can progress the ball, um but as a fullback when if you're playing as a four and you need that fullback to move up and down the wing and and really help assist a Mikhail Mudrik who can't do everything on his own and sometimes was giving the ball away poorly when maybe he could have been aided by having a Chirwell having a natural left back near him to run round him and to open up space link one twos. The fact that that isn't there, again, just I, I'm struggling to see what the benefit is. And the other thing is just Enzo Fernandez as a number 10. I don't think Enzo had a good game today. Um, I felt that he, particularly from a demeanor point of view, he was just, it seemed like he spent most of the day having a go at everyone else, uh, which I don't think was the best thing to see uh, from a player who, you know, you expect to be kind of a little bit of a leader in this team, just in the sense of, you know, getting on the ball, making things happen and seeing some of those numbers after the first run of games and seeing now that we're playing him in a role that is just, again, it's, I don't see what benefit we're getting out of it. I don't see how it's, even for a short term, it's benefiting us. Um, I I just, I I don't see it. I, I think it's limiting a player who could be a game changer further back for us and even when we look at I looked at Enzo's natural kind of average positions he just naturally likes drifting back because that's the type of player he is he wants to get on the ball he wants to make things happen in between the lines is not where Enzo Fernandez thrives um I, I would even I wouldn't even mind because you haven't got Chukameka yet you haven't got Christopher Nkunku 
what about Ian Matson? Ian Matson kind of played that role during preseason, and he looked to be doing quite well. And I think he's the sort of player maybe that could fill that role in, in the, for the for the time being until Chukwemeka is back at least. Again, it's just it, it's decisions like that. You know, I used to get really frustrated with Thomas Tuchel doing stuff like that when we'd see Reese James at right centre back uh, for Aspel, to protect maybe Aspilicueta or you know Ruben Loftus Cheek at right wing back. And I just sit there and go, again, you are. It just seems like you are putting a limit on your own ability to hurt the opposition. And in a, in a time where Chelsea desperately need to find ways to hurt the opposition and finding ways not to hurt the opposition, that is it's something to me that I, it's also just not fun. Like I I don't I don't want to turn up and watch Ben Chirwell well just be be on the bench. I don't I don't want to see Levi Colwell, such an amazing talent, be out of position basically and maybe be stifled a little bit in a role that probably doesn't help him in the long term. And with Enzo Fernandez too, one of the best, uh, I think, passes that probably we have in the Premier League at the moment, be kind of isolated and out of the pitch and feel a little bit awkward. It just, I don't, it just, it maybe speaks to a wider issue of Chelsea's lack of clarity when you have such talent and you are not utilising them, in my opinion, to the best of their ability. And I don't think it's helping those around them uh, personally. Like I don't, Connor further back I, I still even though he had a decent game against Bournemouth I don't think he's had an awful season you know there are people who love to bash Conor Gallagher every single day of the week I don't think he's that bad but again is his current role the best one for him in this Chelsea team I'm not entirely sure because this is a guy who I think needs to operate further up the pitch when we've seen Conor at his best not really for Chelsea mostly for Crystal Palace he was an attacking midfielder he was getting on the end of chances he was consistently trying to link up with those around him he's not a number 10 but he at least is an attacking midfielder again it's just I don't understand I don't understand the logic uh, behind that so the goal itself, I mean, I just think it was, yeah, I could be frustrated that the Conor Gallagher sort of got taken out and it wasn't really checked that seriously. It looked like a, a pretty serious challenge on Conor. But from a counter-attacking point of view, I thought Silva was really exposed there. And I said as much in my preview, I said that I, I think that the, the, the time is going to have to come for Thiago Silva to be phased out of this team if we're playing the way we are and we're trying to play the way we are. The way we, we're playing currently in the back four, we're getting done on transition and it's hurting us. It hurt us today. Uh, it hurt us against Nottingham Forest. And when, you ha when you're trying to counteract those problems or kind of make up for the limitations of a player, that player has got to be really, really good. And that player has got to be so, so good that there's just no other alternative. And as much as I love Thiago Silva, as amazing of a player as he has been for this club... And, you know, one of the best professionals we have seen at Chelsea in recent years. Um, you know, some of outstanding, you know, the the Thiago Button, Benjamin Button, as Tuchel once famously said, it's not it's not the fact that he can't play at any level anymore. He's, he's done. It's just I don't think the style of football suits him. And I think it's going to expose him and like it did today, expose us. Um, it was a shame that Sanchez didn't do as well with the Watkins goal because I thought Sanchez actually made two brilliant saves. I think the first one, from Luca Dean was one that I don't think Keppel would have saved. I think that's a height thing. Um, and the one he made in the, in the first half as well. You know, he was keeping Chelsea in the game and I think he is growing in confidence of each game. But it's not a great sign when you're at home to Aston Villa, who I do think have some decent players. And you are looking at your goalkeeper and saying he's one of the standout players. I thought that great to see Armando Breuer back. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to judge him. He's been out for so long. But I thought actually the brightest of the players who came on was Cole Palmer. 
played a brilliant ball over to Ben Chirwell. Looks like a player who, who maybe is finding his feet. I'd like to see him start against um, Brighton in midweek. Obviously, Nicholas Jackson is now suspended. I know the yellow cards he has had before, you could blame him as kind of being petulant. I think this one was, a, was an officiating mistake. I, I don't, from what, the way I saw the incident, is I don't think Jackson was being stupid there. I think that was a goalkeeper in Martinez being very cynical and a, an official who just wasn't up to the level required falling for it. And um, unfortunately, that means that he is now uh, suspended. So that that is, of course, of great frustration and, and you know, mounting problems, obviously, for Mauricio Pochettino. I thought Mikhailo Mudrik, I felt sorry for him again because I thought he made a really good run and cross in the first half. Um, he played a, an amazing ball for Nicholas Jackson across the floor in the, in the first half too. So I actually think, again, Mikhailo Mudrik did himself some favours today. Um, and in terms of, you know, he went off after the Malagasta red card. I did see someone suggest, and I think it wasn't the worst idea when you go down to 10 men, actually as an counter-attacking option with that high line, why didn't we take, say, Nicholas Jackson off at that moment and bring on and, and actually keep Mudrik on the pitch but playing play him centrally as, as I think Potter did once last season. I think that would have been maybe a smarter option in terms of player form, but that, that's the way it is. Those are my thoughts. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, listen, I think in terms of the post-mortem and, and the, the wider issues of the club at the moment, I think that is it. that's something to discuss probably in, in more detail. Uh, hopefully we'll have some people on the channel to, to discuss that because it isn't just for Aston Villa, the review. It's, it's for a wider problem of, of the ownership and the way this club is going and the concerns of this strategy that may have left Chelsea with a squad woefully inexperienced or just one that isn't able to cope with the demand that's, that's being placed on them at the moment and to see how that develops and um, it's just really depressing it's just really really depressing and it's um it's hard to see where Chelsea's next win is going to come from and, and you, again I hate sounding like reactionary like that but I, I don't think I'm alone in that feeling because team can't score at the moment you can tell that the confidence is probably dropping and the fixtures are only getting more difficult for Chelsea this the opening run of the season other than Liverpool was actually a pretty decent run of games to pick up some points Chelsea have failed to do that so now the pressure is on so those are my thoughts let me know yours in the comments below and I will see you again very soon all the best Podcast Network.